0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We'll go to the word of the Lord, and it's good to be back home. It's good to be... Sleeping in my own bed, my own pillow. Pardon me. My wife took hers. I said, are you crazy? She wants to take her pillows everywhere. Like, a, Now, she didn't do this, but normally she'll take her big body pillow. Ever since she's been pregnant, she's been ruined. Whenever she was pregnant, she bought a huge body pillow because she could put the baby on it, you know. That was still in her womb, and she would cradle that. After the baby was gone, she still felt like she needed that pillow. It, re- that pillow replaced me. That's what it came down to. But uh, there's many places, there's many places we go. She'll take that, but she still took the pillow that she lays her head on. She stuffed it in that, stuffed it in that luggage. And once again, I saved her tail when it's time to weigh luggage. I'm always below, and she's over, over. And so here we are, unzipping luggage to get what needs to be. Yes, sir. I save her most times, most times, amen. It's probably that five pound pillow with body sloth from her head that kept that thing from going through. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, amen. God is good. We're gonna be turning to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. Maybe somewhere along the way, I don't know, we'll intersperse a few prison stories here and there. I don't know. Had a great time in prison. People received the Holy Ghost. People got signed up for baptism in Jesus' name. Uh, real quickly, I know when we were in Hawaii and we had three prison sessions, prison conferences going on at the same time. That in one of them, there were two ladies, from my understanding, and I won't get this wrong, because that wasn't in our our conference. But one of the other two, there were two ladies that were down praying, and they had been fasting for Ramadan. Muslims holiday. They've been fasting for Ramadan. So during their fasting for Ramadan, God filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> he said we can turn this thing around, the whole objective. <laughs> Just a moment. Amen. First Kings 22. I'm going to start with verse 29 and read a few verses today. The Bible says. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And so the king of Israel at this moment in time is Ahab. But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and enter into the battle, but put thou on thy robes. The king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. But the king of Syria commanded his thirty and two captains that had rule over his chariot, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. Namely, because Jehoshaphat was attired in kingly attire for warfare, and the king of Israel was not. So they thought, There he is. There's the king. Surely it is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. It came to pass when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. Verse 34. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Wherefore, he said unto the driver of his chariot, turn thine hand, carry me out the host, for I am wounded. Again, the first little phrase there or sentence, verse 34, a certain man drew a bow at a venture. The New King James Version calls it like this, that he drew a bow at random, smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness to help the Holy Ghost today I'd like to minister this morning a little while on this topic there are no random arrows there are no random arrows let's go to the Lord in prayer together shall we Father I come to you today oh Lord we need you Jesus God here today every heart and every mind, God, if we can just position ourselves, God, to receive, Lord, what your Spirit would do and what it would say. Give me ears, Lord, to hear, God, what the Spirit is saying in this hour. Give me a mouth, Lord, God, as a preacher of your gospel, to be able to speak it, Lord, with clarity. God, your people would understand it, God, that they would, Lord, hone in, God, and focus in, God, upon what the Scriptures of your Word is speaking to us as a church and individually today. Will not tell, Lord, to thank you and appreciate you, Lord, for what you're capable of doing in this place this morning. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Hallelujah. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and tell them there are no random arrows. There are no random arrows. Both the king of Israel who was Ahab and the king of Judah, who was Jehoshaphat. At this period in the history of Israel, there being two separate kingdoms, but at this particular juncture in the road, they have joined forces in battle against the king of Syria. There has been peace, as the scripture says, between Syria and Israel for about three years. But Ahab is in a position and he feels like maybe the timing is right that he wants to repossess the land of Ramoth Gilead because it really belonged to Israel. It really belonged to him. And so, although they've had peace for three years, he says, there's something that is really ours. That's not within our hand. And so I want to re secure that. And so I'm going to, if you will, mess up the peace that's going on and I'm going to go after it. Now, remember again, Concerning Ahab, he's the one that is married to Jezebel. He is the one that is ruled by Jezebel. Uh, He has the title of being king, but she seems to have the ability or the say-so in the kingdom. And so as a result of that, there's a lot of wickedness that have went on underneath his rule. As he joins here with Jehoshaphat, but more more, uh, correctly, Jehoshaphat has joined with Ahab, Uh, Jehoshaphat allows Ahab to have he and his kingdom at Ahab's disposal. He says, our horses are your horses. My people are your people. We'll do whatever uh, you would like us to do in this matter of re-securing Ramoth Gilead. He says, there's only one thing that I request. If we could just seek the will of the Lord in this matter about whether or not it will be profitable for us to go up at this time. And so the Bible says that Ahab calls 400 of the prophets together of Israel and to hear what the prophets would say. But there's something you've got to realize about these prophets here. He's gathering together. He's gathering together 400 yes men. In other words, just people that's just going to go along with whatever the king wants done. People that's just going to say, yeah, king, you got the right idea. We're just going to go along with you. These men were known to sanction and to approve whatever King Ahab desired to do. And they tell him in this moment, as they have in other moments before, Ahab, you just go on and do whatever you desire to do. You'll have success in this endeavor. You have nothing to be afraid of. Jehoshaphat, though, is a little, a little unsure about these 400, a little unsure about their eagerness just to go along with the king, so he has some doubts, and he asks Ahab, Ahab, is there any other prophets? I know we got 400 here, but can we have 401? Is there any other prophets in the land that we might be able to consult? Ahab says, yes, there is another prophet here in the land, but quite frankly, I hate him. I hate him because he never seems to prophesy good to me always prophesying evil to me. So we already get a pulse of the type of man the Ahab is. I just want people around me that will just say yes to me. I don't want anybody that's going to stand up and maybe have the real word of the Lord for my life. Uh, can I just as a side note this morning on our journey here today, it isn't wise to include people in your life that only agree with where, everything that you want for your life. Because in doing so, whenever you surround yourself with people like that, you're not really looking for guidance. You're just looking for a cheerleader. That's right. Come on. Come on. That's just because a voice might be different, it doesn't mean that it's evil. It might prove to be the very thing that you need, and it could be the soundest direction that you'll get in your life. Amen. And so he calls this other prophet, uh, Micaiah, the prophet, comes. He shares with Ahab what he saw. He says, King, I see scattered all around upon the hills sheep as though they have no shepherd. He says, I see people scattered around in a vision as though they have no master. And what that was being interpreted to Ahab and Jehoshaphat was this. This meant that Ahab, you're going to go into battle if you do this, but you're not coming home. You're going to go into battle, but you're not going to return. Ahab didn't put much stock in what Micaiah had to say. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he imprisoned him and that he was to stay in prison. Amen. Amen. He didn't he did not even give the least amount of stock into what Micaiah's words had spoken. He refrained he did not refrain from going into battle. But evidently he took enough influence from those words that the Bible says whenever they went into battle that the king of Israel, Ahab, he's not going into battle with the normal war clothing that he would of a king he takes all of that off, he puts on garments that disguises him just like though he were any other soldier, and here's the great friend that he is, the Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat, you keep your kingly robes on they're going to be looking for a king. He already knows the word of the Lord has said. If you go into this, you're not coming out of it. He knows that no doubt they're going to be looking for a king. He says, I'll disguise myself. You keep the kingly robes on. Now, isn't that a friend? Yeah. Hallelujah. He keeps so you keep those kingly wardrobe on. I'll change my attire. And the Bible says the enemy that they're going out against, the king of Syria, he instructs, Purposefully, he instructs his 32 captains who have rule over his chariots, where they go, what direction they turn. He says, boys, here is our target. Here is our our mode of operation. He says I don't want you fighting with anybody great or anybody small. Our lone target in this battle is the king of Israel. That's where you need to point your arrows. That's where you need to put your swords toward the king of Israel. To fight any other is to be fighting a useless fight because I've told you what the target is. It is the king of Israel. This is our purpose. This is our mark. So you can imagine these 32 captains That have control over the chariots and no doubt over many members of the army. They are telling all of those people that's under their care and under their guidance, swordsmen be looking for the king and arrow men archers be looking for the king. The chariot wheels are rolling in the battle now. They're coming to a place of warfare but the chariot wheels need to roll toward the chariot of Ahab. They need to roll toward the chariot of the king of Israel. Hallelujah. They don't want to miss the mark. To have any other target, any other goal was to miss the mark. Amen. Any other attempt was not the sound purpose that the king said it should be. The target though is disguised. Ahab has on garments that's not denoted him as the king. He doesn't have on his kingly attire. He's not easily noticeable. He's not easily distinguished. Chariots are moving from the Syrians, but they're moving without any certain direction because they don't know what the target is. It's disguised. Arrows are strung on the bows, and maybe they're pulled back, but they've not been released because none have seen the target that the king said they're to shoot for. Maybe a few went forth in self-defense, but none have went to the mark because nobody knows where the mark is. The target is obscure. These captains of Syria, they're faithful to their orders. They're faithful to their king. Upon seeing Jehoshaphat, the Bible says in his kingly garments and robes they assumed that is the king of Israel. Here's our mark. Here's our target. Let's go after him. And here are the captains, no doubt, telling the chariots, go after that man right there. And they're riding. And they're bumping through the terrain of the land. They're ready to overtake the king of Israel. But the Bible says when Jehoshaphat caught who was coming after him, he cried out. And the moment they got close enough and could see and could recognize, the Bible says they realized and perceived that the man that they were chasing was not the king of Israel, but the king of Judah. And so the Bible says they turned back from following him. And the reason why is because he's not who the king of Syria said was the target. It wasn't going to waste their time there because their target is the king of Israel. And then the most unlikely of things happened. A nameless man, the Bible calls him a certain man, draws his bow at a venture and smites the king of Israel between the joints of his harness. Folks, it... Is it not a little bit unique this morning that this archer did not aim because venture is rendered random. He did not aim with intentions of hitting Ahab for number one, no one knew who Ahab was because he didn't have on his attire. He's taking aim then, this bowsman is taking aim at someone he was quite unaware of whom he was really shooting at, but he just pulled his bow back at adventure has no way to identify this king or this person as being a king for sure not as being the king of israel it was in essence a random shot it was a random arrow and yet it pierced the king ahab between the joints of his armor this man called a certain man he's not described as a captain We have no record that he has been ordered to shoot his arrow at this moment in time. We don't have any information in the scripture that he was doing this to defend himself. And yet the Bible says he draws his bow at a venture. Or at random and hits the very target that Syria was looking for the very target that they were ordered to meet if it's not enough that his arrow hit the king of Israel let it be known that he hit the king in between the joints of his armor in other words this this arrow that was shot at random found its place in a small separation between the lower armor and the upper armor not a very big Space, but this random, quote unquote, random arrow found a perfect spot right between that that hard leather or hardened metal armor that the king had on. Amen. Just went right in between. They were joined really close. Only as close as they could be. But in that small minuscule space, that's where a random arrow yeah. right. had met its mark to the target that the king of Syria was going after. How in the world think here for a moment. We have this arrow finding its path in the joints of the harness and when we look at the story, a random arrow being shot, hitting a king that is disguised and it happening in between the joints of his armor, we step back and say, my goodness, isn't that coincidental? A bow that's drawn at random hitting a disguised king in a battle. Man, that's gotta be accidental. But to hit the king of Israel in that small little space and no aim was being taken, folks, that beats the best of odds. Someone say amen. That beats the best of odds because it appears through the word of the Lord. Just walk with me today. It appears through the word of the Lord that every other arrow that has ever left a bow in Scripture seem to always have an intended purpose. You do not see commonly in scripture people drawing their bow at a venture or drawing their bow at random. They usually had a purpose. Marksmen and archers were not put in their position because they were random bow amen drawlers and, and, and shooters of arrows. No, no. They were put in their place at, as archers because they're marksmen. They know how to meet their mark. They know how to hit their target. And so when we look throughout the scripture that these people are usually. Usually people with a purpose. They're excellent marksmen. The Bible tells in one place of scripture that Jehu had an objective. He drew back his bow, and with his full strength, he smote Jehoram. He smoked Jehoram because that's what he chose to smite. That was his target. The Bible says in Psalms, David said, the wicked determined to shoot an arrow at the upright in heart. What are you saying, David? The bowsmen have a target. They want to shoot at the upright in heart, and that's what they they are excellent marksmen jeremiah said they bent their bow and set him as a mark for the arrow these arrows it seems from these different individuals through scripture they have a purpose they have a target they have a mark they're not random that's not chaos they have a purpose The Bible even says in the Old Testament that there were some of those of the tribe of Benjamin who were excellent marksmen. They could shoot arrows with their left hand or with their right hand and not miss. Yet the Bible also records of those whose arrows shall be as a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. What does that mean? They go for a purpose and they meet their purpose. They go for a target and they meet their target. But this archer. Of a certain man pulls his bow back at a venture. Here the word venture means random aimless haphazardly. Just letting woohoo Woohoo Just letting a, a arrow from the bow. And yet at the same time that I see this is the case, I read some even translations of the word of the Lord in different translations. It describes a man shooting an arrow randomly into the crowd. It describes others that uh, the scripture sending an arrow from his bow without thought of its direction. But as I began to study a little more. I came across other translations. And definitions of the same word. That it has a different meaning. Even a little contradictory meaning. Even a little uh, contrast meaning. The Jubilee Bible translation says. That they shot his bow in perfection. Wait a minute. He shot his bow at a venture. He shot his bow at random. He shot his bow aimless. He shot his bow in perfection. That just totally contradicts other translations. The Brenton Septuagint says, one drew a bow with a good aim. Right. So as you can only imagine, as a man of God studying the scripture, and I'm getting contrasting opinions, contrasting thoughts, and then I look up the definition in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, I find the meaning of the word venture meaning simplicity. He shot it in simplicity or he shot it in innocence. But in the same definition, it says that he shot the arrow in perfection and he shot the arrow in completeness. And so I'm warring here, how in the world can an arrow be both random and deliberate? How in the world can an arrow be both innocent and purposeful? Because whenever I begin to contrast the aimlessness definition of the arrow, amen, I read the others such as it being perfect and complete, and that tells me the arrow was arranged. It was organized. It was planned. It was methodical. It was systematic. It was deliberate. It was purposeful. So I got a dichotomy or a double meaning, if you will, of a word here. On one side, it's random. On the other side, it was organized. On one side, it was innocent. On the other side, it was deliberate on one side it was aimless on another side it was methodical now how in the world could this be I present to you this morning and I question you this could it be what was random to this nondescript certain man was deliberate to God no, no, no. Could it be what was aimless at a venture, if you will, innocent to this man, was very systematic, arranged, and organized, and deliberate from God? See, this certain man, he just pulls his bow back at a venture, and he releases the arrow in innocence, in simplicity, aimlessly. But God's hand guided that bow methodically and deliberately to meet its target even between the joints of the harness. Can someone say, it? I come to preach to this church on this Sunday morning that there may be times in life it feels like you're pulling your bow back at a venture. You might feel like you're taking some random, aimless, innocent, simplistic shots, but my God is able to take the random and make it deliberate. My God is able to take the unorganized and make it the arranged, the methodical. There are no random arrows when it comes to God. So it's amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Here he is. Even, listen to me, folks. Even if this certain man leveled his bow at another individual because the king didn't have the kingly garb on, he didn't know that man was king. He didn't know he was king and greater than anything. Listen to me. That man did not know or realize his contribution to the winning of the battle battle that day because he just shot a random arrow. But that random arrow, God made a deliberate arrow. The Bible says whenever that arrow found its mark between the harnesses of the garment, that small little spot that Ahab towed his chariot driver, he says, pull me over here out of the heat of the battle. I, I've been hit. Now, don't broadcast. It didn't, it didn't happen. Don't broadcast this around to all the army. Amen. Because if you do that, they'll quit fighting. So I'm going to try to save face. Just pull over here out of the heat of the battle. And the Bible says he stood. He stood through the duration of the battle because he didn't want anybody to know that he was hit. The Bible eventually says that he dies from what the Syrian man did. Shot a random arrow. He dies. And most onlookers, maybe even Ahab himself doesn't know, but any onlooker would say, certainly the certain man would say, that was just a random arrow. But what God knew it to be was a perfect hit. First Apostolic Church with God, there are no random arrows. When you are fighting, what are you saying? Fine. Assyria, they were enemy of Israel. Yes, but Israel at this point in time is the enemy of God because she's not standing up. Amen to the statutes, the judgments, and the commandments of God. And so at this moment in time, the Syrians are definitely fighting the Lord's battle. Amen, because this is what the will of the Lord would have. And so let me tell you today, when you are a child of God and when you are fighting the Lord's battles, there are no random arrows. When you're attempting to do his will, there are are no random arrows what may appear as happenstance to you amen is systematic and planned to god if you pray can i tell you this morning if you say well brother mcgee i don't know what happened the other morning i was praying and i prayed a little beyond my normal time i prayed outside of the normal time that i pray my customary time of prayer let me tell you that's not coincidence that's just not something you felt come upon you you should do no you might think that's random or that's peculiar but in god's economy that was planned. That was organized. Who knows who needed your prayer in that moment? There are no random arrows with God. I had, I had you know, I had just a little bit more money in my pocket, Brother McGee, and I just felt like I should give it. You didn't shoot a random arrow. It's not pointless. What's the big deal? It's not pointless. It's purposeful to God. Do you remember? Do you remember whenever David is he in a bad view through the eyes of Saul? Saul sees him as a threat to the throne. And he was, but seen him as a threat to the throne. The Bible says David, at different times, have ran out of the presence of Saul because javelins had been thrown by Saul. But David, through this period of time, and made a friend with Jonathan, Saul's son. Their souls were knit together. The Bible says it was during this time that David was trying to decide. Should I stay around the kingdom? Should I leave? Do I need to become a fugitive? You know, my life's kind of in danger here. You know, how long do I stay around and take the spear throwing? The Bible says this is what Jonathan and him decided. He said, I'm going to, Jonathan says, I'm going to go talk to my dad. I'm going to feel after him because he won't do anything unless he tells me about it. So I'm going to go out and feel out my dad. He says, you go out there and you, you hide by that rock out there in the field. And whenever I come out there, he says, if you need to go, if you need to flee, the servant that's with me, I'm going to shoot some arrows. And I'm going to tell him the arrows are beyond you and if I say that that means you need to get up and leave he says but if I say they're on this side he said then you know that you can stay now the only people that knew about that was David and Jonathan the servant that went with Jonathan that day to the field just seen the prince Jonathan going to shoot some random arrows Jonathan's pulling back to the servant to the onlooker here goes a random arrow but as he's walking out there he says servant is not the arrow beyond you that didn't mean anything to anybody else but it did to David and Jonathan who was privy to what that was all about what are you saying I'm saying an arrow can both seem random to some but point on to others. And oftentimes, we are on this side of the fence of what we do and what we participate in, being random, having no purpose, if you will, just just, just arbitrary, but to God. He has a sight. He has a target. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He, God don't make accidents. God don't make mistakes. He's a purposeful God. Scientists even have stretched their head over the years that they learned, Brother Gregory. They look, they knew they've learned over time. Lo and behold, look at the Earth. It's tilted on axis. Isn't that something? Wow, that's amazing. But that's that, that just you know, wow! I can't believe the Big Bang just threw that thing in a tilt like that. Isn't that something? And all of a sudden, they studied a little closer and they understand that if it were tilted three degrees, uh, Amen. And closer to the sun, all of us would be burned up. Or if it was three degrees further away from the sun, we'd all be. Be frozen. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not random. That's not unplanned. That's organized by a divine designer. That's methodical. That's arranged. There are no random arrows with God. Co- None. Someone say amen. It looks random on the surface, but it's deliberate to God. Church family, every arrow that you pull from the quiver and lay to the bow, You might might not understand its purpose, but God does. You might think sometimes it's quite even absurd, but remember God has no random arrows. What chance, I ask you, what chance is there that the same night, everybody say the same night, that the same night that Haman is preparing the gallows and building them for Mordecai's death and destruction, that the same night the King Ahasuerus was having trouble sleeping in his bedchamber. And when I asked the recorder to come and say, Start to read to me the record of my life and what I have done and what has taken place. What are the odds that in the moment of time of reading while Haman's building the gallows, the king is hearing the record and discovered that Mordecai somewhere in the past had foiled a plan, amen, a plot to kill the king. The likelihood of these things happening at the same time seems slim. It seems like luck. It seems like coincidence and a fat chance random. But then we realize there are no random arrows with God. The next morning, all of the, the and the pageantry, he's going to put on the one that would honor the Lord. Haman thought it was him, but in reality it was Mordecai. and Haman finds himself on his own gallows. That's not random, that's methodical. There are no random arrows with God <laughs> Proverbs 16:33 says that the lot for making decisions, choices. The law of the Old Testament and through the New Testament. The law is cast into the lab. Seems to be given to chance. Quite random. He says, but the whole disposing of thereof is of the Lord. What seems like a random casting of the lots they had through the scriptures whew, was a deliberate methodical choice to God. He found out Ai being the one that took the cursed things for Joshua. Through the lots. He found Israel's first king. Tossing of the lots. Random? I think not. Jochebed, Moses' mother, builds an ark of bulrushes. She pitches it within. She pitches it without. She takes that goodly child Moses that she has hid for about three months and she puts him down into that ark of bulrushes. She places him in that ark in the Nile River. And where she places him and he's there for a moment. Now this is a river. This is going to have some current. But it so happens that the Bible says Pharaoh's daughter comes to the Nile to bathe there. And as she goes to bathe there, lo and behold, she discovers this child Moses that's in the ark. And here, coincidence, luck, fate. She calls this little girl over here and she says, "Honey, this is a Hebrew child. Can you find a nursemaid for this boy?" That b- girl she was talking to was Miriam, Moses's sister. And Miriam didn't go and find some nursemaid that was no kin to her. She went and found Moses' own mom, and Pharaoh's daughter says, you're going to be able to be nursemaid to this boy. She gave him up at the river, and don't you know she probably thought, God, this is also awful random, for you want me to put my boy that's been spared from being thrown into the river at birth now, put him in a bath. This is random. This, This is outrageous. Here I am, but it would just be a short period of time. What she thought was random, she would see God was being methodical. God was being organized. She would soon have that boy against her breast again and milking. Amen. Giving him milk from her body. There are no random of arrows with God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Yes Brother McGee, what luck? Uh-uh. Brother McGee, what time and coincidence? Uh-uh. It has every surface appearance of randomness, randomness, but there are no random arrows. Everybody say there's no random arrows with God. Can we rehearse just a few things that you can remember that you are probably well aware of? Joseph's hated of his brothers. They speak of killing him. But Reuben stands up and dissuades them from doing so. So they throw him in a pit as they contemplate what their next step is going to be with her brother. And the Bible says, Had they lifted up their eyes, a company of Ishmaelites came and they sowed Joseph. And so from slavery to slavery in Potiphar's house to prison, being the captain, prison captain over a prison wherein the butler and the baker of Pharaoh was incarcerated to being remembered by the butler two years later to be elevated to second command over Egypt at the exact time that he needed to be to plan for the plenty and plan for the famine when his brothers, his own family, would be seeking out provision from Egypt and Joseph would be second command there We look at all of the whole life of Joseph and we think, man, what coincidence. What luck. What what a random arrow. But I'm telling you again today, there was nothing random about the life of Joseph. He even understood it when he looked into his brother's eyes and he finally revealed himself to them and they were fearful that he might take their life. He said, listen here boys. He said, God sent me ahead to prepare for this moment. This isn't random. This is perfection. This isn't coincidence. This is completeness. Because God has no random arrows. And we could keep telling stories. We could tell the story again of Ruth. Yeah. When she got home from her first days gleaning, her mother-in-law asked her Naomi, where did you glean today? She said, Boaz is filled. She says, you've got to be kidding me. That's a near kinsman to me. And if there's any hope for you and me in our future here at Bethlehem, Judea, we're going to need a redeemer from my kin. Yeah. That's not random. When it's all said and done, Ruth does become the wife of Boaz. They have a child who we traces genealogy all the way to Jesus Christ. Now, how are that for some random arrows? Yeah. Huh. How is that? Oh, I'm just going to pick this field over here because it looks nice. She goes and gleans, and she becomes a part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's not random. That's purposeful. That's methodical. That's your God. Boy, that gentleman that was pulling back the arrow in the moment that he was doing it, Bishop, because he had been given the target from the captains and the commander of the army. It's Ahab. It's the king of Israel. No doubt. When he pulled that thing back and let it loose, he probably thought, this is purposeless because I really don't have a target. I really don't have a target. This is really quite, quite random. I guarantee you, there would be others in the army probably even maybe gave him a hard time. Boy, you was really lucky today, wasn't you? Fate and coincidence, you know, smiled upon you today. Or in the world today, it would be like you have good karma. Folks, well, there's nothing about karma. This ain't nothing about luck or coincidence or winning the lottery. This is about what they see in a moment as random. God sees not just a moment, but he sees the spectrum of eternity. Oh, the arrow innocently found its target. No, it perfectly hit its mark. Here's the thing that I want to say to us today. If we eliminate, if we want to live life, that whatever takes place, it is the arrows that we shoot are just random. They're just innocent and simplistic. They just go forth. If we want to live our lives like that, then we are eliminating from our lives the ability or the reality rather that God takes random arrows and he arranges them. God takes a bow that's pulled back at a venture and he plans them. That's in the realm of God. And so if we do that, if we do that type of stuff, that we're going to eliminate the arranged part, the methodical, the deliberate part of God, then what you do has made your life to be lived at the mercy of just circumstances and situations. This happened to me, that happened to me. Oh, it's just, you know, one of those things when in reality a good man's steps are ordered. Ordered of the Lord. And we have the promise then, Sister, Sister McGee, there's your first time. We have, we have the, the promise then of Romans 8, how God All things can work together for good. He didn't say all good things. He said all things, whether they're the good things or the bad things, can work together for the good. For For who? To them that love. That's not a promise just to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. That's a promise to those that are fighting the Lord's battles. That's a promise to those that are trying to do the will of God. All things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. When you're trying to do the Lord's way and the Lord's battles, he can even take bad what you would consider random arrows and make them purposeful for your life. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I want to tell you today that I, uh, we need to stop living our lives as though we're some boat that's tossed on the waves of the sea to and fro that we have no rudder to guide us no rudder I'm here to tell you I have a rudder I might be tossed to and fro on this sea of life and it may look random as though it's topsy turvy and how I'm getting from point A to point B but there is a rudder it's called God Almighty and he's given guidance in the chaos he's given oh God, He's given purpose in the unknown oh! no random arrows with God it's chaotic brother McGee that's alright there's no random arrows with God it seems aimless and purposeless right now brother McGee that's alright there's no random God has a designated target and you don't have to know it you don't have to know it as long as he knows it So here's what I say. We need to go forward. We need to live our lives. We need to trust God for the results, even when we can't make sense of the trajectory of the arrow that we released from our bows. If you stand with me this morning, I want you to look at this. He pulled a bow at a venture. But a little further down in the scripture, verse number 37, 38 reads like this. This is speaking of Ahab, the king of Israel. So the king died. That came from a random arrow. It's found its spot in between the harnesses of his and between the joints of his harness. And the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria. Now look at verse 38. And one washed The chariot in the pool of Samaria and the dogs looked up his blood and they washed his armor. Look at this phrase now. According to the word of the Lord which he spake. Nowhere in scripture do we know for sure if this certain man, he may have never known, may have never known that it was his arrow that took the life of King Ahab. You may have never known it was his arrow that found that perfect spot between the joints of Ahab's harness. But when I surveyed this chapter, remember, Micaiah the prophet said, Ahab, if you continue, you're going to go into this battle. But you're not going to come out. And before that, Elijah the prophet had prophesied to Ahab. Ahab, where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, so shall they lick up your blood. Scripture says here in the end that King Ahab died. His chariots being washed in Samaria, in that place of Naboth's vineyard. The dogs are licking up his blood. Two prophecies have been fulfilled according to the word of the Lord. Because, are you listening to me? Because a man shot what he thought was a random, pointless, aimless arrow. But that arrow helped fulfill two prophecies that came from two different prophets according to the word how because with God there's no random arrow so I ask you this morning who among us knows that whenever you pull back your bow at a venture randomly today if not the outcome will help fulfill the purpose and the will of God in your life or around here simplistic brother McGee it's innocent yes but it also has a shade of meaning that it is deliberate and it is planned. Maybe he maybe was just kind of out there in battle, man. You know, maybe he was getting bored. I mean, we're riding all around here in chariots and they're going. And I've had this thing pulled back. You know, I'm going to let that thing go. It's just, I'm getting tired of playing. You know, just holding back on this. No maybe he just felt like, you know, I'm just going to let this thing go. Don't have a target. Don't have no purpose. But he shot it. And God directed it. It was both, Brother Terry, humanly random, but godly perfect. Because God has no random arrows. You know what I believe this morning in the Holy Ghost? There's people that's living their Christian lives right now that they're thinking what is the use because they feel like this whole life that they've been living for the Lord has been nothing but randomness. I feel in the Holy Ghost today that there's people right here in this congregation standing today that think this whole thing is totally purposeless. Because you can't see the target right now. For some, it's been disguised. I'm admonishing you this morning that you need to pull back the arrow on your bow. And though you may feel like it is random, you need to release it because God can methodically make it hit the target you can't even see. If we bow our heads all across this place today, there are no random arrows with God. Someone say that just to yourself this morning. There are no random arrows. There are no random arrows with God. Brother McGee, I don't understand everything that's taking place. Brother McGee, I'm somewhat confused in the chaos of the battle right now. And I just, I can't see the target. It seems like we're just running around in circles and it seems like we're chasing things that are always eluding us. I don't understand it, Brother McGee. It's just purposeless. Let me tell you, you're seeing the moment, but God sees eternity. You're seeing the moment, but God sees eternity. Hallelujah. He might want to bring something to pass by what you consider is random arrow being shot from your bow. But God says, I've organized this from the beginning of time. I've arranged this from the beginning of time that that arrow will go out. But it's going to find a minuscule target. But it's going to be a target that matters. It's a target that's going to have impact. It's a target that... there's no, these altars are open this morning. If there's any anyone under the sound of my voice, if you feel like you're just living at the mercy of life or you're just living at the mercy of the circumstances that just happen from day to day and you are being overwhelmed by just living, if you will, at the mercy of everything, amen, I'm here to tell you this morning what you feel like you're being tossed around by. God has an ultimate purpose. God has a deliberate plan. God has a timely plan. Perfect complete arrow that he's trying to get to meet its mark, but you got to release it today. You got to release it today. You got to release it today. There are no. Oh, if it's appropriate, grab your neighbor's hand right now. Let's begin to talk to God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Hallelujah, what's the target, Lord? You may not ever, you might not always be able to discern what it is or where it's at. Hallelujah, but you just need to release what's upon your bow. You need to release what's upon your bow. It won't be coincidence. It won't be luck. It won't be happenstance. It may seem like to you, but God will guide it. God will order it. God will arrange it. There are no random arrows. Amahaya. Ibahai, di di, Oh,